0: We're talking about worship. In fact, this uh, entire quarter of the year, we're going to emphasize the rebuilding of the wall of worship. I won't be preaching on it for three solid months, but uh, I will take this Sunday and then take a break for Mother's Day and come back one more Sunday uh, with messages on worship. I've talked to you about the fact that worship is the primary purpose for which God created us. And everything functions better and um, is in fact more fulfilled and happy when when it functions in its purpose. And so I can assure you that there's nothing you can do that will bring the kind of inner joy and strength and peace and fulfillment that worshiping God will bring when the anthropologists did studies of all past civilizations they discovered something very common a common thread through throughout history and that is the fact that man is a worshiper by nature he's a worshiper there's something innate and in us and that's something that God put there and it can't be fulfilled with anything else man may worship something as simple as a stick or a stone but he's still a worshiper and, uh, of course, the real joy comes when you know that you're worshiping Almighty God. Amen? Jehovah God, that's where it is. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, we've talked about the, the Last Sunday, we talked about the fact that um, worship always gets God's attention. It's one of the ways, two, two, two things that always gets the attention of God. One is faith, and the other is worship. We enter His gates with thanksgiving, Psalms one hundred verse 4 says and into his gates with praise it gets you it ushers you right into the presence of god today i want to share with you a third lesson i'll give you a principle at the end of this message but i'm going to sort of set the stage by taking you to an incident that occurred in the life and the ministry of jesus and it's found in saint john's gospel chapter 4 and I'm going to read a lot of scriptures, so if you want to follow along or watch on the screens, whatever is most comfortable for you. Some people have their Bibles, some people have their uh, Bible app on an iPad or a phone, whatever is comfortable for you if you'd like to follow. I'm going to read 30 verses right out of the book of St. John chapter 4, and I'll pause along the way to make some comments as we go. And then I will uh, end this sermon by giving you a, just a couple of points that I hope you'll take with you from this service related to worship. Let's go quickly to John chapter 4 beginning at verse 1. Therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria." Now, notice here that the Pharisees had picked up on the fact that Jesus and his disciples has now baptized more converts than John the Baptist. Now, I don't know who did the counting of these services, but somehow they, they got the numbers up and, and somebody got it to the Pharisees. And boy, they latched onto that and started making hay out of it. And in fact, what they were trying to do was create a competition between the disciples of John and the disciples of Jesus. And Jesus would have nothing to do with it. Neither would John have anything to do with it. If you recall the very purpose for which John was brought into this world and the purpose for which God had called him and anointed him, his whole ministry was to prepare the way of the Lord Jesus and so John was gratified when he saw Jesus doing well. In fact, you remember John said that speaking of Jesus, he said, he must increase, I must decrease. And so I'm sure when John heard that the disciples of Christ now baptizing more converts than him, he said, wow, praise the Lord. That's what I came for. He was excited about that. But the Pharisees tried to do the religious thing. How many of you know that religion uh, can, can create a lot of problems sometimes? What we need to do is keep our eyes on the Lord and not just on religious ideas. And religion will create all kind of false concepts and ideas and theology and doctrine and, and uh <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. I mean, if you want to get under bondage, get under bondage of religion. That's that's a. It'll bring you under bondage. But Jesus said, "No." Nope, nope, here's what I'm going to do. He left Judea and turned northward he and his disciples and headed towards galilee where he would spend quite a bit of time in fact the majority of his ministry up there in the galilean area and a lot of what you read in the four gospels come out of his ministry time up there and that took care of uh, any of this competition thing that they were trying to create between the disciples but notice that that john said that he must needs go through samaria now that's very interesting because Jesus going northward to Galilee could have gotten there quicker if he had not gone through Samaria. Samaria was, uh, was, was a little bit off the, 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 the path to get to Galilee, um, but there was a reason why he went through there. Let's continue to read. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near a plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, let me give you a little history here. You, you read about the Samaritans quite a few times in the Scripture. How many of you remember the story? That's a whole parable about the good Samaritan. Anybody remember that in the Bible, the good Samaritan? powerful parable that jesus gave us a great great story and so you you hear about the samaritans every once in a while let let me give you a little history of them the samaritans were the descendants of those who had been deported in the fall of the northern kingdom into the babylonian captivity in 722 bc you can read about that back in second kings chapter 17 i'm not going to take a lot of time there and i'm not going to read any of those scriptures of that historical background i'm just going to tell you that you remember after the death of Solomon, the Israel was divided into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Well, when the southern kingdom fell captive to the Babylonians and and was taken, there were some that that escaped some of that, or were left behind, or remained, or came out of that. And uh, these survivors began to intermarry with other people. In fact, they intermarried with uh, some of the colonists that was brought um, from the Babylonian Empire by the Syrians when that later happened. Now, here's, here's the f- problem that, that created the, the dividing between Samaritans and Jews. The Jews were very, very uh, conscientious about keeping their bloodline uh, pure. Now, what I mean by pure, they, they wanted their descendants to continue and remain in the Jewish bloodline. They didn't want to bring any other races or any other peoples into that. And, and the reason for that was a good reason because God had promised that the Messiah would come through that bloodline. But again, we get back to religion. What what was a good thing practiced by them turned out to be um, a racial discrimination by those who got religious. And and instead of saying, we're, we love everybody, but we're just trying to keep our lineage pure because we know that Jesus is supposed to come through this family line. Instead of that, they got real haughty and saying, uh, we're, we're Jews and anybody that's not, Pure bred Jew is not as good as anybody else that's not what God said at all that's not what God intended at all I'm here to tell you this morning that there is no racial prejudice in the heart of our heavenly father nor in his activities nor in his doing for God so loved the what world that he gave his only begotten son he loves one race just as much as he does another there's no such thing as a superiority of one over the other that wasn't what it was all about that's what never was intended to be that way And and so the, and you've heard me say it many times, the, the ground is level at Calvary. God loves all of us the same, but, but these Jews started looking down on these Samaritans. In other words, you guys didn't do your part in keeping the bloodline pure. So, and so they rejected them. These rejected uh, Jews um, sort of migrated towards Mount Gerizim, and, and um, that's where Samaria was, kind of at the base of that mountain. There were some villages and towns and cities that sprang up there, and, and Samaritans lived there. And they not only were separated from the Jews, but uh, during the process, they only held on to the first five books of the Bible. The Samaritans, that is, religiously. They studied uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And they rejected all of the prophets. They rejected the Psalms, the Proverbs, and all the wisdoms, books of the Bible. Boy, they missed out on a lot, didn't they, by, by not accepting that. But that, that was that was their choice. And, and the hostility grew between these two um, pe- uh, people groups, especially when the Samaritans... Uh, wanted to help build the temple at Jerusalem because they wanted to worship with the Jews. And the Jews said, absolutely not. We don't want your help. We don't want you on the grounds. We don't want you doing anything with that. So again, they retreated to Mount Gerizim and built their own temple and did their own worship there. And you can find that in Ezra chapter 4 if you'd like to study it out further. But But let me continue reading here at verse 6. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, set thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour. That was around 12 noon. Now, let me say this about wells in those days. It wasn't just a place that you came and got water. The well was sort of like a a community center. And um, they would have places where you could sit down because when large groups of people would come to the well you'd have to take turns everybody can't draw at one time and so the well became kind of the community gathering place and they would share their stories and get acquainted and talk about their families and and it it was just a real a real place where people could come together and uh, get acquainted now notice that this woman was there Uh, verse 7 a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food very unusual to come and draw water at 12 o'clock because that's when the Sun is bearing down the women came to buy to, to get their water for their families Uh, in the late afternoon as the sun was going down because it was cooler was much easier physically it wasn't as you you know you're not under the beaming hot sun and so women came this woman didn't come when other women came and the reason for that was because of her sordid past her life had been so messed up that she was being rejected even by her own people the samaritans reject boy you really you're talking about getting down you're not only a samaritan which means you're rejected in that area by the jews but you're even rejected now by the samaritans your own people and it was because her life was so messed up she'd gone from one relationship to the other to the other to the other And so the women of Samaria didn't want their kids associating with her. And so if she would come when they came, they would uh, ostracize her, wouldn't speak to her, made a spectacle out of her if they did, maybe even threw rocks at her and ran her away. So she had to come at a time when no one else was at the well. And that's why she came at noon and didn't expect to find anybody at the well. But Jesus was there. By the way, this is the reason Jesus went through Samaria to minister to a rejected woman. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus will always go out of his way to reach to you in your need when nobody else cares. Amen. Jesus really cares. Praise the Lord. Yeah, give him praise. That's... Now, the disciples have gone on into Samaria to pick up some supplies for their journey. Verse 9, then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She acknowledged the racial tension between these two people groups. And she said, I'm shocked that you would even speak to me. Jesus answered and said to her, I love this. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him <clears throat> and he would have given you living water. Now, there's two things I want you to notice here that Jesus said to her. He he said, first of all, if you just knew the gift of God, <laughs> can, can, I, can I just break in here and just preach a little about a 30 40 second little, little bitty short sermon here this if you just knew the gift of God I don't know what you're going through this morning don't know what your situation is don't know you may you may be at the toughest time of your life you may be the most rejected person in your family in your neighborhood and you you may feel like the whole world is against you today but if you just knew the gift of God And when he's talking about the gift of God, he's talking about the grace of God. If you just, Jesus said, if you just knew, if you just knew the gift of God, and I want to say to you this morning, everybody on the Sabbath, if you just knew the gift of God, if you just knew how much he loves you today and how much he's reaching out to you, if you just knew. (laughs) And the second thing he said to her, if you just knew who was talking to you. (laughs) She had no idea at that point who was talking to her. Listen, folks, she has just run in. This is better than winning the lottery. She has just come face to face with the son of God. And she doesn't know it yet. She's going to find it out just a little bit. Just, just hang on, lady. You're going you're to discover. Jesus said, if you just knew, you'd have asked of me. <laughs> and I'd have give you some living water. Water that make you where you never thirst again. Verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. By the way, that well was over 100 feet deep. Took a long rope to get to the water there. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? I want you to observe the the proud connection she made with Jacob. You know, she already knew that Jesus was a Jew. She recognized that. And she said, I may be a Samaritan, and there may be racial conflict here, but I want you to know right now, we 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 may not have jerusalem we may not have the temple in jerusalem but we can we can trace our lineage back just like you can and we can go in fact jacob Jacob. she's very proud to connect it connected with jake she said jacob dug this well and jacob gave it to his son joseph and his descendants. i'm one of those descendants this is our well right here at the at the base of Gerizim here this, this is our we we got some pedigree too you know we can brag about our relatives too you, you ever get around a family and talk get to talk about it? yeah yeah I want to tell you something if you trace your lineage back far enough you'll discover some good things and also some bad things <laughs> I've told you before I told my dad when I got married I said dad I'm the last of the Bowen line on the, on the male side all your brothers got girls and uh, and so it's up to me to carry on the family line I'm praying that God will give me some boys I want to get this family going I want seven boys and uh, My dad sat me down. He said, son, uh, this Bowen name ain't all that great. (laughs) In in fact, the other day, I don't know whether you saw it or not, but on Facebook, one of my sons put up a picture of Al Capone because it's Al Capone's birthday. And he also put up a picture of my dad because my dad was in the Atlanta penitentiary when they brought Al Capone into Atlanta and uh um, i remember dad telling us about it and told me and of course told my boys he said they that they, they were so afraid that they <laughs> the the gangsters would try to uh, get al capone that they brought him in on a on a passenger car and brought that passenger car inside a private area of the penitentiary with heavy guards and got him off and of course in a little bit he he looked like the rest of them but uh dad said you know don't 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 worry about this family line it's it's not all that great it's not our family line that you're trying to carry on it's his line god gave god gives you kids to carry on his name not your name and uh, that really impacted me because girls can carry on his name too amen so just praise the lord you girls are not second class whatsoever it's not it's jesus name that we're trying to get get going in the earth amen But this woman said, are you greater than Jacob? Well, little did she know that the man talking to her was greater than Jacob. She's about to find out. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said, Woman, go call your husband and come here. Now, Jesus, with the precision of a, of a, of a surgeon with a scaffold, begins to, to get right down to the dividing of the soul and the spirit. Jesus, as he so often did, takes the natural to illustrate the spiritual and so he's moving now from natural she understood natural water she had a bucket she was fixing to draw out of that 100 foot deep well but jesus said i'm really talking to you about spiritual life i'm talking to you about living water and uh, and then like i said He begins to die. Because here's the point that I want to make to you. When Jesus talked about the gift of God, he's talking about the grace of God. That's free. You understand that? It's the free gift of God. But to be received, it must be received with a repentant, honest, truthful heart. You understand that? It is a free gift, but you have to receive it. We can't just force it on you. Oh my goodness, if we could just force things on people, I'd just, I'd just stand up here this morning and and, and I'd, I'd make every one of you saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. We'd, we'd leave out of here today, 100% everybody be saved filled with the Spirit. But, but we can't do that. You have to receive that gift. And to receive that gift, you've got to be honest and you've got to be repentant. And so Jesus... <laughs> very carefully brings to her a question that's going to require an answer he says go call your husband and the woman answered and said i have no husband and jesus said to her you have well said i have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that You spoke truly. She told the truth. You see now why the women didn't want to associate with her? This woman had been through five marriages and still could not find what she was looking for in life. And finally, she just gave up on marriage and just started living with some guy. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Now, that shouldn't shock you at all. If somebody walks up to you, you never met him before in your life. You never seen him before in your life, and you got a past like that. and Nobody, <laughs> and, and he just looks at you in the eye and said, "You had five husbands. You living with a guy now that's not your husband." I, I, You must be a prophet. (laughs) It didn't take a lot of spiritual insight for her to figure that one out. You better believe he was a prophet. I perceived you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is a place where you ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak unto you am he. And at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with this woman yet no one said what do you seek or why are you talking with her look at this this is so interesting the woman then left her water pot that's what she came for was to get water remember she forgot her water water pot in her excitement and she went her way into the city i believe she went running back to the city and she said to the men Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out to the city, out of the city, and came to him. If you read further, and I'm going to stop here, but if you read further, you'll discover that the whole town comes out to Jesus, and at the well, Jesus has a salvation crusade. I mean, he preaches the gospel, and people start getting saved. I mean, he has, he has revival right there at Jacob's well. And it was because of this woman who went to town and started screaming to everybody, there's a man out here at the well. This could be the Christ. You ought to come out here and see. And they came out. They, they persuaded Jesus to stay a couple extra days, and he did for that great revival that they had in the whole city of Samaria, came to Jesus. What a, what a powerful, powerful thing. But there's a couple things I want you to notice here. In this conversation... They talk about worship. And Jesus makes a statement that, that is easy for me to understand. He says, God is a spirit. We can understand that. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I get that. The part that's difficult for me to understand, and I just have to accept it and respond to it. I don't fully understand it. I'll just have to admit it to you. I've looked at it for all my life, and I still cannot understand How God, who is supreme, eternal, almighty, sovereign, holy, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. How God could want or desire anything. I mean, he can speak worlds into existence. All he has to do is just say the word. God, he's almighty God. how or why God would want or desire anything, I, I, I have trouble wrapping my mind around it but i 'm going to tell you this I don't frustrate over that, trying to figure it out. I just say, God, if that's what you want, count me in, praise God, amen. if you want a worshiper here's one right here i I'll, I'll be glad to worship you because listen folks, God is worthy of our worship. amen, He is worthy of our worship. now, just a couple things I want you to take from this, this story and and um the the series as we go along here first of all i want you to understand what i just said god desires worshipers look at it again verses verse 23 and 24 but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth and look at that what we have got underlined here for the father is seeking such to worship him god is a spirit they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth so God desires worshipers are you willing to be one are you willing amen okay second thing I want you to understand is that worship is the pathway to victory worship is the pathway to victory let, let, me tell you, let me tell you a couple little incidents out of our own life um, I, I got a hold of this whole concept of praise and worship way back in the 80's and those of you that have been with us since Crawford Avenue days, you perhaps remember when I, I preached a long series on nothing but worship and nothing but praise just over and over and over. We just hit it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Well, when I, when I got into that and really got to preaching it and the church started buying into it and we became a more worshiping church, things started going from bad to worse in our personal lives. I mean, it seemed like everything was happening. Have you ever been through a little period of time when it just looked like whatever could happen would happen if you, if you had to, and, and it was bad things? And uh, I had teenage boys. Now, I remember I told my dad I wanted seven boys. I stopped with two, thank the Lord. <laughs> because I realized that God had not equipped me to deal with seven boys. I had my I had my hands full with two. They were they were all boys. I mean, they were hyperactive before they in, invented the term. And uh so we we had our hands full. When they got to be teenagers and driving I I remember um I remember is Dale Simpson back there? I, I he yeah, he raised his hand. I don't want to embarrass you, but if I remember correctly, I think you told me one time that you couldn't wait until I had two teenage boys driving on Washington Road. Now, he told me that because he had two teenage boys driving on Washington Road, <laughs> and he wanted me to join the crowd. Well, I joined the crowd, and, and my boys were kind of wild. They wiped out three cars for me, three automobiles. Well, you can imagine what, went, what happened to my automobile insurance. It just went sky high, and uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I, they, it it had got so bad, and the insurance had gotten so expensive, till I had to drop full coverage on my cars. I, I just had liability insurance because that's all I could afford with them boys, and um, and I had just bought a car. In fact, from from uh, brother Dale Simpson back there, he had a he had a little Subaru. By the way, let me give a little shout out for Subaru. Did any of you see it this week in the newspaper? Subaru gave us a check for $17,500 to the bridge ministry, the outreach of this church. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Uh, well, they, they all had this little Subaru, really nice car, looked like it was brand new and and uh, if I remember correctly, I could have the figures wrong, but I think he sold it to me for about $3,800. Gave me a really good deal. And um, we we were doing real good with that little car. It's, it It was nice and had all the bells and whistles. And I was driving on Washington Road. It was the week before the Masters that year. And I was right down near I-20. And I'd stopped at a stoplight. It was pretty heavy traffic. And the car in front of me was first at the light. And... I, something caught my attention off to the left, and it was a it was a, a big, tr- huge truck that belonged to one of the major networks. I I don't remember whether it was CBS, ABC, NBC, but it was one of the major networks, and it was the first one of those I had seen. It, it was new; they had the satellites on top, I and mean, that thing looked like it was from outer space and it caught my attention so i'm looking over there at it while i'm sitting there at stoplight well i kept glancing back and finally the stoplight changed car in front of me goes on and so i start off but i i want to look back over here one more time and look at that thing before i before i get away from it and when i look back for some unknown reason other than it was a woman driver um i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry I'll make it up to you on Mother's Day, huh? That for some unknown reason this car just stopped. There was no reason to stop, but the car stopped, and and I'm, it's too late now. I plowed right into the back of that car, and I mean it just folded the hood of my car up like a tent. Boy, I just it destroyed my car, and uh, boy, I was I was sick over that and of course it's my fault i hit her in the rear end uh, and so <laughs> i prepared to have to take that out of my pocket and i didn't know how long i was going to be without a car trying to pay for that because i i knew i didn't have anything but liability on it well i, I took it down got estimates and so forth i of course reported direct to my insurance company and and uh it, it was getting to be kind of a common occurrence you know to let my Insurance agent know that I'd had somebody had another wreck in a household. They they were just relieved it wasn't the boys this time. It was me, and and so I got a a call about a couple weeks later from an adjuster, and he asked me to stop by his office. And I stopped by his office, and he said, "Uh, "Preacher, here's a check for your for your uh, car to repair your car." I said, "No, sir, I don't I don't have full coverage on that car." and he said uh, i understand that he said i checked with your agent and your agent told me when you drop full coverage and and he filled out the forms and so forth but for some reason at the head office it was never recorded and so they they're paying for that car they're insisting that you take this check and he said we we understand i said no yeah well <clears throat> so i Praise the Lord. I mean, you know, I'm real happy about that. Uh, a few weeks later, after I got the car repaired, put back together and back on the road again, one of my boys totaled that Subaru. Now, we know that we don't have full coverage this time i mean because we made sure the agent the 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 adjuster made sure that the company uh, understood that this man does not have full coverage on this car and he totaled it so i just simply called a wreck yard and salvaged the car i think they gave me 600 dollars for it just as junk salvaged the car and um in in the meantime i gotta gotta insert this little parenthetical thing I'm, I'm still preaching on praise and we just praise we're learning to praise God for everything and in every situation and and in fact when I when I run into that woman on, on Washington Road I went home and went to my prayer room and I just said Lord I praise you anyway I praise you anyway praise God you know, you, you, I don't praise you because my circumstances are good i just I'm just praising you because you're God just praise the Lord well my wife was praying one morning and an impression came to her so strong, she, she actually thought it was a voice that spoke to her and said to her, like I said, we, we were just having a series of things happen in our lives. It just, I mean, one thing right after the other that you just couldn't believe it. And uh, that voice spoke to her and said, if you'll get your husband to stop preaching on praise, y'all will quit having all this family trouble my wife jumped up it was so strong she jumped up from her prayer and came looking for me to tell me that if i just quit preaching on praise that things would start going better in our family but before she got to me she realized it don't know said wait a minute that couldn't have been the voice of god that doesn't line up with the scripture that's not right and so she rebuked that she said get behind me satan we're going to praise god anyway and now we've now we got the car totaled, and we all know, my agent knows, the adjuster knows, the company knows that I don't have full coverage. But we, we did the same thing. Faye and I went in our prayer room, and we just said, Lord, we praise you. We praise you. The car's wiped out. We praise you if we don't ever have another car. We praise you if we have to walk. We praise you, Lord, if I have to ride a bicycle. Whatever I have to do, Lord. It, it, my life, your praise, the praise that you deserve is not based on whether I got a nice car or don't have a car at all. It's based on the fact that you're God and you're worthy of my praise. And we're just going to praise you, Lord. We just praise the Lord. We just praise the Lord. Three weeks later, I got a call from this same adjuster. And he said, would you stop by my office? And I said, Sure. And I went by his office, and he handed me a check for $4,000. And I said, what's that for? He said, that's to, to replace your Subaru. And I said, sir, I can't take that check. He said, why? I said, because I didn't have full coverage on that car. I only had liability. He said, preacher, I know that. Your agent knows that. The company knows that. I've talked to them about it but said i made sure after that last wreck the one you had that they understood at the home office that you don't have coverage but said it was a clerical error whoever typed it in on your on your policy made a clerical error and the company has it recorded that you have full coverage and i said Will you tell the company I didn't, and if I need to sign, I'll sign a statement that says I didn't. I'm not going to cheat this company. That's not, I, it, this, this is my responsibility. He said, preacher, I told him you'd say that. But he said, they said, if we get audited and it shows that we had you down for full coverage on the date that that wreck occurred and we didn't pay you, we're in trouble. And it ain't worth it to us to get in financial trouble. You take this check and you replace that car with it. It's yours. I couldn't believe it I just said praise the Lord praise the Lord and here's what I discovered and this is the last thing I want to leave with you this morning this 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 is the conclusion of this message I discovered in that series of praise and worship way back in the 80s a principle that I believe is in God's Word and I've put it to the test time and time and time again I believe that if you and I will give God what he wants, God will always give us what we need. He'll give us what we need. He will give us what we need. If you'll give God, if you'll give God what he wants, amen, God will give you what you need. He'll do it. He'll do it. He's never failed. He's never failed. Never failed. Never failed. You won't find where he failed anywhere from Genesis to Revelations. And you won't find anybody that's been a worshiper and a praiser of God that prays and worship God that God does not come. It may not be exactly like you think it should at the time. It may not make sense to you at the time. But God will come through and God will supply your need. Amen. Always, He'll do it. In the first service this morning, Sandra Coleman was here. She was here last Sunday. She was here Sunday before last. Sunday before last on Saturday, they had the funeral of her husband. He died suddenly and unexpectedly. Had his funeral on Saturday. And I looked down on Sunday and she was in here with her hands up, worshiping and praising God. You say, preacher, how in the world she do that? Because God is worthy of our praise. I want you to, I want to, I want to tell you something, folks. God is God on both sides of the river. amen. amen. And what doesn't get worked out here is going to get worked out on the other side. I can promise you that, but God's not going to fail you. Amen. God's not going to fail you. If you'll become a worshiper and a praiser of God, if you'll just praise Him. Praise Him in the good times. Praise Him in the bad times. Praise Him when you got money. Praise Him when you're broke. Praise Him when you got a job. Praise Him when you're without work. Praise Him when you're sick. Praise Him when you're well. Praise God. He's worthy of praise. And God will come through for you. Stand with me, please, all over the house today. You can, you can trust Him you can trust him if you'll give him what he wants he'll give you what you need every time every time every time many of you have heard me tell the story many times way back in 1989 we we merged two churches together when we merged those two churches together it's a long story of how God led us into that we fasted and prayed and I gave God the first four hours of my day for 30 days until God made it clear to me what he wanted us to do. So I had no questions and no doubts. But I remember my wife saying on on a Sunday, we were having a conference on Sunday night of all the membership to vote on it at Crawford Avenue. We'd already had the conference the week before at the independent church that merged with us. The vote there was 100%. But we knew there'd be opposition at, at Crawford Avenue, and and Faye begged me. She said, "Please don't present this. There, 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 we're going we may lose friends over this. There's gonna be people that don't want this, and and we just we just can't afford to do this. And we didn't go home that day. After church, we got some lunch, and we came back to the church. And Faye and I spent the afternoon just." talking back and forth and we started recounting the blessings of God in our lives she'd tell one and I would tell one and we we went back and forth just talking about the blessings of God in our lives and how many times God had come through when we didn't know which way to go we didn't know what to do we didn't know if there was a possible way to survive God came through for us And after a few hours of just recounting the blessings of God, Faith said, go ahead and present it. We've got to obey God. God will take care of us no matter what. We'll trust God. So we presented it. To our amazement, there wasn't but eight votes against it. Back in those days, there was probably eight people in the church that felt like they were called to oppose anything I was for, just just their <laughs> just, just just their way of life, <laughs> so we were rejoicing, we thought, man isn't this wonderful praise God God came through for us, but we weren't expected for what- we weren't expecting what happened next, Some of them not all of them, but some of those eight people started withholding their tithe and offering to the church and they were some of the strongest financial people we had and after we voted to merge those two churches together which became new hope that you're in today the first month after that we were $8,000 in a red the second month we were $16,000 in a red the third month we were $24,000 in a red and I was crying out to God. I said, God, I know, I know that you led us to do this. I know that this was your will. I don't understand this. And I don't know what to do. And I said, Lord, <clears throat> the overseer will come down here and move me before long. He's not going to let me sit here and bankrupt this church. And we're, we're coughing up red ink every month. And we're getting close to the bottom and I, like I said, I was preaching a series on praise at the time. And I, I remember it just like it was yesterday. I was, I was getting ready for, to go to the office on a Monday morning. We'd had a combined service on Sunday night. And somebody had said, Boy, these preachers have got themselves in a mess they can't praise their way out of now. And I could hear that guy saying that in my mind. And I'm looking in the mirror, shaving. I'm crying. I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I heard that, that statement. These preachers have got themselves in a mess. They can't praise their way out of. And the Holy Spirit said, why don't you try and see if you can praise your way out of it? And I mean, it was just like lights came on. I mean, just boom, boom. Ideas just started flashing in my mind. And so I announced to the church the following Sunday that at the end of the month, we were going to have a weekend praise celebration. And so we did. We gathered both congregations at our Wheeler Road location just a mile from here. We gathered there at 6 o'clock on Friday evening. And we praised God all night long we didn't ask God for anything no prayer requests no no petitions no we just praise God every hour one of the staff people would go to the pulpit and read some scripture and direct our praise for the next hour where we needed to praise the Lord for we praise God all night long all night long any of you been in an all-night prayer meeting your experience like mine you know that in the wee hours of the morning about four or five o'clock in the morning it really gets tough In an all-night prayer meeting, you fight and sleep, and it's just, you know, it was right the opposite in that meeting. The more we praise God, the sweeter it got. The presence of God just filled the house. And we just prayed. Four and five o'clock in the morning is just heaven on earth. And at six o'clock, both congregations went down to Crawford Avenue, and we kept praising God. And we praised God from six o'clock on Saturday morning all the way to six o'clock on Saturday night. And it just exploded at 6 o'clock. And I told the congregation several weeks earlier, I said, I, I want you to bring an offering of praise on the last Sunday of the month above your regular tithe and offering. Only what God provides, whatever God provides. I'm not asking you to sacrifice, just whatever God provides. And on that Sunday morning, we received the offering. And that offering, in addition to the regular tithe and offering, was over $20,000. $20,000. And those, those people that were withholding their money, they left the church, took their money with it, and our finances started going straight up. And God started pouring out His blessings. By the end of the month, we were out of the red into the black, and we've never been in the red since. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And I discovered something. I discovered that you can praise your way through anything. You can praise your way through anything. The darkest night you'll ever go through if you'll just praise God. 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 When David's little boy died, his servants were afraid to go tell him. They, they were afraid he'd get upset and become angry, and, and, and they didn't know what to do. And Finally, he sensed what was wrong. And they were shocked when he got up and washed his face. And he said, I'm going to the house of the Lord. And he went to the house of the Lord and worshiped God. And he said, you know, I can't bring him back to me, but I can go to him. <laughs> Praise God. I told you God works on both sides of the river. Amen. God God, God is a faithful God. God is a faithful God. He will not let you down. You can praise your way through. I don't know what you're dealing with this morning, but you can praise your way through it. I don't know what you're struggling with today, but you can praise your way through it. God will come through for you. If you'll give God what he wants, he just wants your worship. If you'll give him what he wants, God will give you what you need. Amen. Give him praise today. He's worthy. I'm going to just invite you to come to the altar for a few minutes of praise. Will you do that? Just all over the building. Just come on. Come on. We're going to praise the Lord. They're going to sing for us. And I want you to praise God. If you're being rejected today, praise God. Amen. If you're going through a trial, praise God anyway. If you're sick today, come and praise God. He's the healer. He's the provider. He knows what you need. He can meet your need today if you'll just open your heart and praise and worship the Lord. Glory